Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather uh, here tonight and uh, we ask that you would come and uh, speak to us by your Holy Spirit tonight that uh, as we um, open your word and as we uh, think about um, uh, your call on, on the early church and your call to us and, and what you are doing in the world and our community that um, you will just bring to life your gospel to us in fresh ways that re- refresh our hearts, renew our minds and, and uh, cause us to fall more deeply in love with you. Amen. Well, this uh, next two weeks we're going to be uh, looking at um, our mission, our vision, our call as a church. And so what I want to do uh, to kind of get into that is we're going to be looking at firstly kind of uh, our call or our, our mission or our uh, responsibility to, to love and serve one another in the church. Uh, and then building on that, as an outflow of that next week, I want to be looking at our call and our responsibility to, to love and serve our city and our world and going on and, and kind of reach people with the gospel. Sound good? All right. So... We um, actually have a verse behind our name. So we, this church is, is, is called City Light, and we get that verse out of uh, Matthew 5. And so we're going we're gonna to just briefly open up Matthew 5 and, and look at this verse that talks about uh, the churches or the disciples called to be you know, a city on a hill, a light to the world, uh, to be salt of the earth. And we're going to start here and use it as a launching pad into, into Acts, into Ephesians, and, and perhaps a couple other places uh, So Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16, and this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he he says this of them. So Jesus is saying these words about his disciples. Uh, I think we can, it's not too much of a stretch to say that Jesus is saying these words about us. So listen to the words of Jesus as he talks about his disciples, his followers, that's us. He says this, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can it be made? How shall the saltiness be restored? You go off memory and you don't read and you get it wrong. It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Well, nor do people light a lamp and, and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So this is where we get the name of our church, City Light. You know, we believe that we are called to shine the light of the gospel to each other and to our city and to our world in the way that we live out the gospel. And that is the reality that Jesus has saved us from our helpless state, unable to save ourselves, unable to to make anything of ourselves, unable to attain the perfection we're required to have. And God, in his loving mercy, sent his son, Jesus, to live for us, to die in our place for our sins, and he rose from the grave, defeating sin and death, and now in him, through faith in him, life can be found. And Christians have a call to be different, 
to, to live differently, to live in such a way that we show that this message about the goodness of God and, and His light in us and His life in us has transformed us. And it's meant to point to how good and wonderful He is. And so we want the world to know about it. Because we believe that He is the path to salvation. And we want the world to know about it. And if it's true, why wouldn't we want the world to know about it? If this message, this gospel that we believe about the goodness of God found in Jesus Christ is true, we want people to know about it. Because ultimately, no human can save anyone. Only God, the Holy Spirit, can change someone's heart and open their eyes to the truths of the gospel. But, now this might blow your mind, but this... God in His wisdom, His grace, and His mercy has chosen to make the church. And I don't mean the building, don't mean the institution, I mean the believers, the church who are the believers. He has chosen in His mercy and grace to make the church the primary strategy for saving people, for proclaiming His message. Our our works... Our words and our witness are being used by God to achieve his eternal purposes of saving sinners and bringing them into his kingdom. So it's, it's not our, our works or our words that, that save us and it's, it's not our, our witness that ultimately saves other people. It's the saving work of Jesus Christ. The man who who lived fully man and fully God and and lived that sinless life and was put to death, who ascended to heaven to reign forever and who was coming back to judge the living and the dead. It's him who saves us by the Holy Spirit. But our works and our words are an outworking of the salvation we already have. And it is important to, to... live as a light, to, to witness to others. And we are, in fact, to, to call to do that by Jesus in his great commission that he gives. But it is the Holy Spirit at work who chooses to reveal himself to them, those who he, whom he has called. And we are incredibly honoured to be a part of the process. So this, this happens through the proclamation of the gospel. And when I say proclamation, I, I do mean people talking and people speaking, but it's, proclamation is not just words. Proclamation is our, is our actions and the embodiment of the gospel in our lives, the way we live, move and breathe. And it's also the ordinary witness of the church. Just our life as a body of believers together, as a church, just our being a city on a hill, being a light to the world, being salt, in the way that we relate to each other and do life with each other, is itself a witness. So the early church was, was praying. Uh, this is, I mean, when I'm, I'm talking about early church, I'm talking real early church. So Jesus has, has ascended, so he's, he's died, he's buried, he's resurrected from the dead, he's uh, chilled with his disciples for a while, uh, played ghosts and freaked a few people out, though he had a real body, and uh, just kind of blew their minds, and then he said, wait until I send the helper. And so... Uh, the believers, the disciples are, are chilling in Jerusalem, waiting for this event to happen. And then we have uh, what 
is known as Pentecost. So what happens is the believers are all together, they're praying, the Holy Spirit descends upon the believers, they start speaking in all the different languages of the people who are there, and they proclaim the gospel. And Peter gets up and gives a sermon that blows people's minds, and and thousands of people repent and believe that day in Jesus Christ. And we kind of read that story we want to know what that kind of Holy Spirit fire descending looked like. It intrigues me. Don't know about you. It intrigues me. And we, we think this story uh, is amazing, which it is. But, but what happens next? What happens next? Because I think uh, for a lot of us, we can have a, a, you know, a really kind of a significant moment with Jesus where we uh, kind of feel an intense presence with God. Something amazing happens. Perhaps something miraculous happens. And then the, the, what happens after that? And so what do they do after this event where the Holy Spirit descends, thousands of people get saved in a day? It says this is what they did. Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, And awe came upon every soul, and many signs, wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved." Now, what I really don't want to do with this verse, which I have seen done and perhaps need to repent, I think I've perhaps even done this myself in the past, so public repentance, here we go. Um, What I don't want to do with this verse is to turn this into a to-do list for the church. All right, you're a Christian, so you need to start doing this and this and this and this and this. Go. That's not what I want to do with this. What I want to do with this is to paint for us, and what I think this verse should do for us is, is to paint a picture of what the gospel looks like as it takes root in an individual's life and in the life of a community. This isn't, uh, okay, you're a Christian now, um, here's the five step, or I didn't even count them, five's probably wrong, put me up on that later, step plan for your life. Uh, you know what? These things probably are good things. Maybe we should be doing more of these things, but this isn't a to-do list. What this is, is a picture of what the gospel does when it takes root in a community. The gospel changes how we relate to one another and how we do life. So I want to go through some of these things, but this is not a to-do list. This is the fruit. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. We are called to be a witness to the world, proclaim the gospel to the world. But a lot of that actually starts in our own home here in the church. So the pastors and, and the elders we have at City Light um, and the leaders, they, their job is to, is to train people to do kingdom work. But the, the proclamation and the witness of the gospel, in fact, is actually not just my job, it's our job. So we devote ourselves to the teaching, not so we can kind of just know everything, although knowing is not bad, but we devote ourselves to the teaching to train ourselves for the ministry. 
as we'll see later in Ephesians 4 if we get there. So we devote ourselves. If we devote ourselves to something, it means that devotion actually means that our lives look a little bit different. If you devote yourself to something, it actually takes a little bit of effort. It says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and the, and the prayers. They did life together. They had you know, communion together, but I think it's also perhaps more than that, like dinners together. Um, I don't want to draw direct links and say, look, we're Acts, but you know, we have dinners here together. Um, so clearly we're very biblical. Um, but this is like about caring for one another, the, the prayers for one another, always praying for one another, doing community together. This group of people who were devoting themselves to the teaching, who were devoting themselves to the breaking of bread, weren't thinking, you know what, we're going to show up at temple. They're still in the temple at this stage. We're going to show up at temple once a week uh, on the Sunday because the Jews have it on the Saturday, so we need it on the Sunday. We're going to show up there once a week and that's our life done. They devoted themselves. This is an all-of-life thing. When the gospel takes root in a community, it changes how we do church because we're not just showing up out of obligation or, or duty or perhaps even cultural attachment, but when the gospel takes root in our hearts and our minds, it so transforms us that we want to be around our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. The gospel overflows in generosity, generous giving. They had glad and generous hearts, and that is the result of the gospel. Having favor with all the people. I just want to stop at this line just for a moment because all the people were not all the believers. All the people were all the people who were not the believers. I just think it's a great challenge for us to consider can the gospel so change how we relate not just to each other but outside of our church which is kind of what we're getting to next week that, that our community, that North Adelaide that the surrounding areas in which we live and have our DGs and do life will consider City Light and think yeah I might not believe what they believe I might not agree with what they think and, and what they're proclaiming to me but you know what that, there's something different there And it also means that they were actually living in their community. If no one knows you, you can't have favour with anyone. And so I think we also need to be reminded that our call as the church, yes, we've got a lot of good things going on here, but the purpose of these things is to build us up so we can re-engage with the community. We have to make sure we don't get so busy kind of in our church world that we forget that there is an outside world too. And the Lord added to their number. It's God's work. It's his call. It's his business. Our call is faithfulness, and he's the one who gives the fruit. And so what I want to do this week and and next week, and hopefully these can work together in some uh, Holy Spirit-inspired way that is much more than I'm able to offer, because, yep, you see what's before you. Here we go. We want to serve each other, And we want to serve our city, and we want to serve the world, 
and we want to be able to do all of these well together, not prioritizing one over the other. So we want to serve each other in the church, we want to serve our city, and we want to serve the world. And so I think some have a, have a proclivity, have a proclivity to, to want to focus like heaps on so much on, on those who are already in the church. And, and we want to really want to focus on um, just having deep community and deep roots and, and deep relationships. And, and on this end of the spectrum, church can become extremely clicky, extremely inward focused, and uh, mission is something that uh, people do somewhere else. And on the other end of the spectrum, you can have uh, people whose proclivity is towards uh, just pure, you know what, it's all going to be about getting out there, all going to be about evangelism. You're not a real Christian uh, unless you are on mission 24-7. In fact, if you haven't been overseas in the last six weeks, are you even really knowing Jesus? And what I want to say is that neither of these ideas are are balanced or helpful or rational or biblical. In fact, um, there's a, a balance here that our life as a witness to the gospel, these things cannot be mutually exclusive, our community and our witness in the world. In fact, to be, to be effective, they actually have to be done together. We need both deep community and deep engagement in the world around us to have effective discipleship. So within, within the, the, the church, we want to work towards creating a family culture, and I don't just mean like, um, I want you all to be nice to my toddler who's here. I mean that those who are here, all of us together, we're the children of God, we're family together, we care for one another, we look out for one another, we pray for each other, we can uh, have our things in common, we can bear one another's burdens. But we also need to, prepared to be prepared and go out and share the gospel with the ungospeled. I was... Uh, Reading an article with my wife, and um, my wife, who is, is wonderful to me, um, is often like the Holy Spirit uses her to punch me in the face and um, teach me a few things. And she was kind of like reading this article about uh, the you know, churches and the way we do outreach and kind of said, hey, you should read this. I'm like, yeah, I should read that. And um, it just kind of reminded me and a little bit of a, a, a pull-up. And, and it's this, that, um, this article was talking about how a lot of churches uh, spend a lot of time, effort, and money on doing church really, really well, which is not a bad thing. I think we should do church well. But the emphasis here is simply on being the best church to attract Christians in the sea or church world. And so we, we have a, a really good website, which um, we're actually kind of working on that. We kind of don't have a great one at the moment, but we're working on it. But we have a really good website, and, and we do really good coffee, and we have a, an awesomely pretty stage, and we have great music. And you know what? All of these things, I want to have these things. These are things that we can have that are not problems to have. But if that's all we're going after, all we're looking for is, is perhaps disenfranchised Christians to come join us, which is, you know what? That's legitimate. If there's people out there who, who have walked away from church and not engaged with the church, um, we want them to find a home here. But if we do that only and think that the job is done and don't actually consider those who've never heard the gospel or, in fact, um, maybe have never heard the gospel in its entirety, uh, we, we can't just kind of think, well, you know what, there's people coming through the, job, through the door, well done. You know, we want those people to find a home who don't have a home, who don't have a church home where they can hear the gospel proclaimed, and we want them to find a home here. But also, on top of that, the job's not done until we're reaching people who've never heard the gospel. Our love 
for each other and a desire to do, to do church well is an expression of the gospel. And our love for the city, and when I say city, I mean the people in the city, and our love for the world is also an expression of the gospel. But both of these things, that the love we have for each other and the love we have for our city and the world are the fruit of the gospel. Because when the gospel goes deep down into our hearts and changes us, we, we want to love each other. We want to love our city. And we want to love the world as an overflow of what Jesus is doing in and through us. And so loving and caring for each other is, is part of our witness and part of our evangelism. And so while I'm kind of like dovetailing these two ideas together and you know, kind of holding them up and saying one or the other, but the thing is, our love for each other is evangelism. At the Last Supper, the evening before Jesus was betrayed, betrayed and crucified, Jesus gets down, takes the place of a servant, washes his disciples' feet, an act of... Uh, the, act, the, the act that the servant would do, and, and he says to them this in John 13, a new command I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And this is why I say that our love for each other is evangelism, because it says this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That the love that we have for one another, the love we show one another, the way we serve one another, according to Jesus, is, is the prime way that people will know that we actually are his disciples. Now, I want to say, if you struggle to love those around you, like if you're sitting here and you're having like a little family feud with those around you, and, um, and it's not, Grant Daniel's not here and it's not a comedy, um, what I want to say is this. The cure isn't to try harder. The cure, if you have a lack of love for your fellow uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, isn't just to try harder and pull up your socks. It's this, it's to realize your utter dependence on the love of Jesus. Because we reflect his love. So why do we serve one another as a church? You know, shouldn't we just be out evangelizing? Why do we have dinner here every other week? Why don't we just, like, every week we all just kind of go out and um, uh, hand, knock on all the doors and hand out leaflets and, and do, like, evangelism? It's like, yes, but, but, but both. Not that necessarily that's the best way to do it, but that's another conversation next week. So why do we look after each other? Um, the overflow of our love and, and our care for each other is evangelism. We love the world out of the love in our community. So we serve each other. So if you're here and you are a Christian, the expectation is that out of the, the overflow of the gospel, what Jesus is doing in your life, a love for the other believers will be growing, will be showing, will, will be evident in your life. In fact, uh, our family, uh, my family, have been receivers of this love and this grace from you. <clears throat> um, some of you 
may, may be aware, uh, or maybe not, that over the past uh, 12 to 18 months, uh, in fact, I'd probably say almost our entire time at City Light, uh, uh, my wife has been and is still going through a, a time of severe suffering um, that has really uh, like majorly impacted our family. Uh, so she's been through like a real time of trial uh, and, of course, our, our family along with her. And on, on top of this, I know um, that she is actually grieving that she hasn't been able to make uh, the deep connections with people that she's wanted to and that she kind of like feels like no one here really knows the real her. Um, and that's because of the, the, the kind of the lasting impact that, of her health and, and, and she's kind of like just devastated that she hasn't been able to serve in the ways that, that her heart is inclined to serve. And we've just started a kids' ministry and there's something that she's had on her heart for a long time. Um, tonight, our kid is in the kids' ministry. <laughs> yeah, if you know families, feel free to invite them, it's fine. Um, Things, things are really getting better for her um, through like, a lot of prayer and a lot of good help, um, but she still has a, a, like a long way to go. Um, so in this season that we've been in, like we haven't been able to, to serve you and to love you like we've wanted to be able to do. Uh, we haven't been able to, to lead our church family in the capacity that we've wanted to be able to lead in. Um, we know that like God is sovereign, and so we know that... Uh, He's not allowed this suffering for no purpose. He is at work through it, maturing us. In fact, I'd like to say he's providing a rich manure of life in which for our faith to flourish. Um, (laughs) I'll let that image stay with you for a second. Uh, and I know that like Chelsea would be really willing to talk uh, with you about uh, um, uh, more about it if you'd like to ask her. Um, she'd be willing to chat if you wanted to talk to her about it more. Um, but I'd just really like to ask you to support our family in prayer. Uh, we're daily relying on God's strength. Uh, in this season, and this is what I'm getting to, like a lot of responsibility and a lot of slack has fallen on the shoulders of other leaders in our church. Uh, and that was like responsibility that was meant to be ours. Um, but the care and concern that, that those leaders have shown to us and their willingness to extend grace while still like bearing an extra load, it's just been a witness of God's grace to us personally and a sign of the gospel. To be honest, it's been like a a humbling time. It's only been a couple of weeks, right? (laughs) So I cried in my sermon a couple of weeks ago, so I'm not going to do that now. (laughs) I'll get like a reputation, hey? Um, (laughs) It's been a really humbling time, and God's providence in bringing forward like faithful leaders and strong leaders has been uh, like a real testament to his will in establishing this church and not our will. Um, this church has, has in fact like flourished despite our limited capacity. Um, and that actually fills us with like great and deep joy in what has been a really dark time for us. 
I'm, in fact, I was reflecting on this and I was, I'm reminded as a preacher to be humble because when God wants to speak, when God wants to do something, when he wants to speak, he speaks, like despite us. In fact, Scripture tells us that when God wants to speak and no one's willing, like God used a donkey to speak. <laughs> so, you know, if you don't like me, perhaps we can like get all Shrek in here and get a talking donkey. Um, please don't do that. <laughs> we weird people out. Um, but God will accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And he doesn't actually need us. And I'm sorry if this offends you. If you uh, perhaps think that God needs you, this may offend you. But you are, in fact, not the main character in his story. God will get his will done. He will get done what he wants to get done. But it is our privilege and our honour to serve alongside him and for his glory. The church, this church, City Light, it's not about my glory. It's not about our glory. It's not about your glory. It's not even about City Light's glory. It's about the glory of the Most High God. And I think uh, this season that we've been going through, in some ways, in some respects, it's, it's almost made for a healthier church than if this megalomaniac had had control of it, right? Uh, in, in Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 12, it says this about God, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so I think our limited capacity has meant that uh, we've been, in some ways, able to, not by choice, but we've empowered other leaders to step up and do things, um, which is kind of what we should be doing. And so next week, uh, we will be talking about serving our city, and I want to actually talk um, specifically about some opportunities uh, that are coming up to do that. Um, But in what ways do we serve each other here at, at church? We serve each other with our, with our gathering teams. And so, you know, when we gather together on a Sunday, we have, uh, we have like a, a connection team that helps people get connected. We have coffee, we have uh, children's ministry, we have worship, we have a preaching team. We serve each other by making meals for each other when we're sick or we've had babies and when people are in need. And uh, we serve each other by being devoted to one another. We make gatherings and add a subship group a priority. We serve each other by by treating church as a community we belong to and not a a service time that we attend. We visit and pray for the sick. We have meals together, visit with each other. We have grace for those who need grace. We bear with one another in love. And we out of an overflow of the gospel, give to one another. We, we give our, our, what we like to say here is we give our time, our talent and our treasure. And what I want to say is that there are so many people here who get it. That that church is not just a service you attend, but a community of people that you belong to. And, and I want to say that these are people who, who are maturing disciples, who engage in the community and who come with a servanthood heart like Jesus. Um, Romans 12 says that that we should outdo one another in showing honour. Um, and so I just want to 
um, to the embarrassment, honest some people, and I can't like mention everyone. Um, but we are incredibly blessed by the leaders in this church and, and people who give of themselves to to lead us to to run and oversee ministries and the things that we do. Um, you may not know this, and I'm also partly mentioning this because if you want to get involved and get involved in serving, come and find these people. Uh, and so, uh, Maggie Colwood runs our connection team, um, helping this place be really welcoming. Uh, with like Lauren and Liam and other people's help making this place look nice. Uh, and she headed up last week's barbecue for Father's Day, uh, helped get that organised and happening. Uh, Tom Colwell and Matt Heading helped lead up our worship team, uh, and they lead an incredible group of very giving volunteers who get here like earlier than me most weeks and pretty much every week, and who give up their time to rehearse and learn songs. Uh, Sam and Ruth are running our prayer ministry, um, Josh Ridley pretty much is helping us get organised. <laughs> uh, Tran, amongst other things, and say more later, but he's like those podcasts don't upload themselves, and he spends a lot of time doing that, amongst a billion other things. Um, uh, Matt Raymond and Kieran have had a big part in uh, running this coffee team, and have been joined uh, by Thomas lately as well. And, um, and he started pretty much serving. He literally his first week here, he walked in the door and he was on the coffee team. Like first week he was here, he started serving. <laughs> Um, as also did uh, Dave Bullis, who's kind of moved away as well, but uh, he served on the kitchen team pretty much first week he was here. He was like, yeah, I'm going to help. Um, but Ruth Ewers has stepped up uh, to oversee our dinners, uh, which is such an important part of our church life. Uh, and Andrew Tran, who is our region leader, and pretty much our everything else guy, uh, <laughs> uh, he helps care for and oversee and, and uh, minister to and train all of our discipleship group leaders. Uh, and he's pretty much like uh, helps do everything else. But I want to say there are there are so many people serving on teams and, and working away in the backgrounds who make this gathering time function. Like I said, it's it's dangerous to to like start naming people individually because yeah, I'm going to forget someone. So sorry, have grace. Here we go. Um, but. Here's why I'm not so afraid of doing that, because I know that these people are not doing it for the recognition or the praise, but because they love Jesus. They love his church. They love you guys. And they want to serve you to show you the love that Jesus has shown them. That's why they do it. So I want to kind of, as we come up to uh, one year from launch, so we launched on the 23rd of October last year, uh, and the 22nd of October will be the closest Sunday to our launch, so we're going to have some sort of, I'm not really sure what we're going to do yet, but we're going to have a party, right? So we're going to have some sort of party for our one-year birthday. Uh, but as we grow and develop uh, as a church, the risk is that we lose our church plant mentality. So what I kind of used to say pretty much every week is, hi, if you feel like you're new here, you're not, like everyone else is, if you've been here a week, welcome your church, because we were a church plant and everyone's been here a week. Um, but I don't want to lose that church plant mentality. In fact, if we are a church that's 30, 40, 50 years old, by God's grace, I don't want to lose that mentality of we all pitch in, we all serve God's church. In a church plant, if you don't do it, it doesn't happen. And we are coming up to a year, and we're getting a little bit more established. And I think the risk for us is that we could sit back and be served. We mentioned um, uh, some of those amazing leaders, and there's so many more as well. Um, and we could sit back and let them serve us. But I think we need to resist that. 
And thankfully, this has not yet and hopefully will never be the story of City Light at North Adelaide. God has a call on all of our lives to love each other, to serve each other. We want to serve each other, the city and the world. We're going to get to the city and the world, but God has a call on us to serve and love each other. And so we serve with our time, our talent and our treasure. And so our time is, is, you know, we, we put in time, we put in effort. We serve with our talent, we, we volunteer with what we're good at. Um, we have you know, many people who are good at making coffee, who uh, are good at making food, who are, who are good at making melody and music. Um, perhaps you're another one of them who hasn't yet joined us. And sometimes we, these things aren't kind of mutually exclusive. Many of the people who, who run a DG or host a DG, they serve with their hospitality, which is their time and their treasure. And so they open up their home and they open up their pantry and they open up their coffee jars and they serve us. So why do we love and serve each other? Because Jesus loves and serves us. And it shows the world what Jesus is like what the kingdom is like, and and ultimately we serve each other because it's for the glory of God. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 7 to 11 says this, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's various grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Our life and our love as a church is so that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ even as we serve one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are not afraid of getting involved. In fact, When you saw us in our sinful condition, you did not stay far off. Instead, you humbled yourself, came down as a servant, entrusting yourself to us, that you lived for us, you served us, you died for us, that you set the example of service for us. And more than just setting an example, you made a way for us to be reconciled to God. We pray that our life and our witness here as a church could be an overflow of the gospel, of your love for us, of what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. We pray that as we consider the person and work of Jesus, not as a response of guilt, but as a response of thankfulness, our hearts will overflow in generosity and love to each other. Amen.
Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.